0: So in our Bible reading this evening, God, he is offering us justification and grace and life, but most human beings say, are are you sure? God, are you you sure that you're offering us that? And uh, if you have ever thought that or a version of that, um, come with me for a second just to think about why we say that. I wonder, is it because of the great cost to God? So just once or twice in my life, you know, normally you get the birthday presents, the Christmas presents you're expecting. Particularly at my age, you kind of buy them and someone else wraps them up. Um, but just occasionally I've been given something so thoughtful or so expensive. I'm like, are you sure? Are you sure you meant that? Or um, is it because you think there might be a catch? Uh, because you think God's offer might be too good to be true. So um, twice in my life, I've met um, proper criminal con merchants. And uh, once I fell for it, and the other time I didn't. And that was only because um, I was a church apprentice at the time, and I didn't have any money. I wanted to give them my money, and I, I just didn't have any. So maybe you fear being taken in. Um, God, what is the catch? What's the small print? But I think for most people, it is the question of the, the man and woman in Romans chapter 5, uh, or the question of the person that Romans 5 was written to help. Um, for three weeks now, we've been helping the person who just feels too guilty for God to help. And I wonder whether that might be you tonight. Maybe you're thinking you are just not the kind of person who becomes a Christian. It's not for people who've done the kind of things that you've done. And actually, that's why um, we've got a a friend of ours back from uh, South London called Tobias Brown. He's here in two and a half weeks' time speaking out exactly that question. Um, But we say, God, are you sure? Or maybe you have started as a Christian, but you're just so conscious of how often you fail. Uh, Maybe even you're very conscious of what you've done since you left home and came to London. You know, even if God meant it when I started, now that I know what I'm like, there's no way that God will keep accepting me. God, are you, are you sure? And tonight I'm here to tell you, or the apostle Paul in Romans is here to tell you, that God is sure and that you can be too. Uh, So we've got, um, we've got three headings tonight. The first one is going to take nearly all our time. Um, So there are two certain futures. So obvious question. Which one will you have? And then just the last bit of our time, we'll look at how we should live if we know what future is ours. So first of all, two certain futures. And that's what we've got in our verses, if you look down. Uh, we've got two opposite futures. They could not be more different, except that both of them are certain. In either case, once you know which one is you, you know for certain what is going to happen. And um, Last week, Phil gave us this sort of map of what's going on on page 1132. So we have an argument that begins in verse 12, and it it loops out for a bit. That was last week. And then it comes back for what we have tonight in verses 18 to 21. And what it is saying is that there are two futures based around two representative human beings. We have Adam, who is the first human being, and we have Jesus Christ, who is the last human being. It's as if really there were only actually two human beings in all of world history. Um, Phil last week spoke about them like being like giants, and all of us are kind of hooked onto the belt of one of them, either Adam or Christ. And Paul, he expects us to believe him, about verse 12. He expects us to believe him about Adam, but he knows that he has got to persuade the person who's wondering, are you sure to believe him about Jesus? So just look at verse 12, which says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. uh, And then he's going to go on in verse 18 to compare that to Jesus. Just stay in verse 12 for a second. Um, Phil gave us the logic last week. If God has appointed Adam to represent all of us, well, then in that case, he can appoint Jesus to represent us instead. And uh, maybe you and I don't like the idea of someone representing us. Phil, um, spent a bit of time on that last week explaining uh, why that can be true. Please go back, uh, listen to that. All of our sermons are on the website. You can go and listen to that again. But I think, sadly, the conclusions of verse 12 are just very easy to agree with, aren't they? Um, sadly, we do live in a world in which everyone dies. Um, you may be very aware of that. That may be going on in your life at the moment, someone you love. Or you may be hiding under the, um, the comfort blanket of a, a busy life in London and avoiding that. But you and I, actually, we, we all know that that is true. And also, we do live in a world where everyone sins. Whether this week you are coping with new flatmates in London, or your new colleagues, or your new lecturers, or your old family, or your old friends, or just our own persistent failure to live up to our own standards, we all see the deliberate harm caused to us by other people. And we all recognize that we cause deliberate harm to other people. And actually, most often, we do the most harm to the people we love the most, don't we? And we could argue, and I will if you want, you come talk to me, we can argue about whether or not that begins with Adam, but no one could seriously argue that that is not a 100% Inherited human traits, uh, sin and death. Um, I spent the last two nights uh, staying with some old friends south of London, and they are, you know, they are just the most lovely family. Uh, the parents—they are two of the most serious people I know about integrity and goodness and kindness. If um, if one of the, if they told a lie, I would genuinely be shocked. there are some people I just expect to tell a lie. I would be shocked. Um, and they have a six-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-year-old. And over breakfast this morning, I asked the six-year-old, um, do your parents try and get you to be good or try and get you to be bad? And um, he thought that was quite a funny question. So we, um, we enjoyed that for a bit. We talked about it for a bit. Um, but the answer was really clear. My friends, these kind, good, serious people, have been trying for six years, all of their life, to help these children be good, kind, people of integrity, and the children were just reassuringly normal. Uh, It was a big relief to me. Uh, They were fun, and they were loud, and they were generous, and they were happy, but they were also sometimes uh, angry, and they were sometimes jealous of their brother and their sister, or they were sometimes impatient, and they were sometimes selfish. Despite six years of pushing entirely in the other direction, by some of the best parents that I know. It is a 100% inherited human trait. Uh, Well, someone um, yesterday actually told me about another preacher who was preaching on something a bit like this uh, in a place in North London, been speaking like this, and and there was a queue by the door, and someone came up to him by the door and said, Vicar, you are wrong. There is no sin in Hampstead. (laughs) as if of all the places. Um, Paul thinks that all of us belong to Adam. Uh, We all of us, we hang on his belt. And left to ourselves, our future is his future for certain. And his life, it was uh, about sin, verse 12 and trespass, verse 18, and disobedience, verse 19. And you don't need to know the precise Bible definition of those separate words to get the picture. And the future is death, verse 12, and condemnation, verse 18, because we are all made sinners, verse 19. That is the, the, the certain future number one. Um, we can get what we deserve, which is that we can face the condemnation of God that he must bring to people who mistreat him and other people and this world and ourselves. And I belong there on Adam. And the Bible says that you do too, which might be a shock if you have the you know, the Hampstead attitude. Um, but it could also be a relief, couldn't it? If you've been wondering whether it was just you that cannot live for a day without even breaking your own standards. But here in these verses, there are two. There are two certain futures. And the other one, it belongs to Jesus Christ. He is the other human being in all of world history. And verse 18, instead of a trespass, he acted in righteousness. And verse 19, instead of disobedience, he was obedient. So his future... Is absolutely certain too. Um, He, like Adam, will get what he deserves, which is verse 18, justification. And uh, maybe you're more used to the word vindication, which is similar. It's the judge saying, This is a good man. And also, verse 18, he gets life, uh, or verse 21, eternal life. And you think, Of course he does. If death is the punishment for sin, and he only ever did what was good and right and kind and fair and obeyed God, of course he does. Do you remember our question earlier in the meet and greet? What is the best swap you ever made? And I don't know what you came up with. Um, I watch, uh, or I'm made to watch some of those videos where you know YouTubers keep swapping 50p into something else and something else till in the end they're driving a Lamborghini. Um, but But this is better even than that, isn't it? Jesus offers to represent us instead of Adam. He offers to unhook me from where I belong on the belt of giant Adam and to hook me onto his belt instead. There are two certain futures, two mega human beings. Both of them get what they deserve. Adam gets what he deserves, and Jesus gets what he deserves. But do you see why we are here to ask, God, are you sure? Are you sure? Because Jesus offers to swap futures with us. He dies and we live. He is condemned and we are vindicated. We get his future, not the one that we deserve. And this is such incredible good news that Paul says it again and again. I think Three times it's here, like an are you sure each time. So just have a look down. If God appoints Adam to represent us, can he appoint Jesus to represent us instead? So are you sure, first time. Verse 18, yes. It says, just as one trespass for all people, so also one righteous act for all people. And you think, okay, but um, this is kind of a big deal. So um, are you sure? Verse 19, yes, just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. And you think, okay, well, all right, um, don't be cross, but can I just ask one more time, are you sure? Verse 21, yes, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through Jesus Christ our Lord. And um, it's slightly different to what we had at the beginning of chapter 5 in verses 1 to 11. Then it was all about um, God has started, so he'll finish. Uh, He's done all the really difficult bits of saving us, all the really expensive bits. His son died while we were his total enemies. He's already justified us and made peace between us and him. He's given us access to God. So the only bit left is the easy bit. All that's left is opening the door at the very end to finish off salvation on the last day. But verses 12 to 21, they're much more about the the conversation that might happen on the last day when you get there. So I want us to do a bit of imagining, and um, the Bible doesn't really tell us, so you can imagine that day um, what it looks like pretty much as you want, okay? So you can imagine uh, pearly gates and St. Peter if you want, you can imagine a, a shiny white railway station and platform nine and three quarters if you want, um, or you can imagine some kind of nightclub bouncer checking the list to see who gets let in, however you want, just imagine it. And now here is Jesus arriving at the head of the line. And Jesus says, entry for one into the eternal life of God, please. And uh, St. Peter or the bouncer looks down the list, you know, just going to check. In what universe does Jesus get turned away? 100% obedient. Every moment of every day of his entire life. Entirely obedient and the great righteous act when he offered his life dying for sinners because of his great love. This is a a super abundant, off the scale, righteous person. Is Jesus going to get in? Of course he is. No question. If the Father turned Jesus away, it, it would be an act of utterly despicable injustice, it would be a horrifying breach of contract would be a broken promise of such huge degree. So the bouncer, what does he do? The bouncer bows deeply, says, Your majesty, great obedient son of heaven, welcome home. And Jesus goes in. Okay. But now who, who is this next in the queue? Um, next in the queue is someone who is urgently asking the are you sure question. Um, we're going to say her name is Chrissy. Chrissy. And she trusts Jesus and she tries to follow him. But she knows that there is so much sin in her everyday life. She repents and she tries. But the, the temptations that fill her mind horrify her. And at the actual memory of the sins that she's done in the past, they fill her with shame. In fact, remember that she's dead. Uh, that's why she's in the queue. In fact, even in the last minute before her death, Um, She was giving in to her most hated, but most persistent sin. Um, So she shuffles up to the head of the queue, and uh, she can't even bring herself to ask, really, just sort of mumbling, entry, entry for one, into the eternal life of God, please. You know, it seems so unlikely. But what is the bouncer doing? The bouncer is bowing deeply, and says, welcome, your majesty, great, obedient son of heaven, welcome home. And uh, Chrissy, Chrissy sort of stumbles through the gates, you know, wondering what is going on and what has gone wrong, and behind her in the queue is a bloke called Caleb, and in the queue, she heard Caleb talking about his life. And the way he regretted so much the way that he wasted his Christian life, how much he'd let Jesus down, how often he tried to put sin behind him, but found it so difficult. So Chrissy thinks she'll wait by the gate and just look back to see how Caleb gets on. And Caleb, he is head down, and the tears are flowing, same as her, he can't really bring himself to ask. Entry for one into the eternal life of God, please. But suddenly, Chrissy Can see what the bouncer sees. Looking back through the gate. And she can't really see Caleb at all. Instead of Caleb with his bowed head and his tears, she can only see Jesus. And somehow she can, you know, see all the details of Jesus' life all around him. Does Jesus get turned away? 100% obedient. Every moment of every day of his entire earthly life. Is Jesus going to get in? Of course he is. No question. So the bouncer bows deeply to Caleb. He's getting a lot of exercise. Your majesty, great, obedient son of heaven, welcome home. And Jesus walks through the door and suddenly looks all like Caleb again. But with a huge surprised smile all over his face. And Chrissy, she grabs him, says, stand here. You've got to watch. Let's watch the next 5,000 as they come through and see it happen again and again and again. Chrissy and Caleb, they are not very good Christians, and they sin and they fail. But they are believers in Jesus. They're included by faith inside of Jesus Christ himself. So they approach the judgment seat of God hooked onto the belt of the best man who ever lived. There are only two, really, two human beings in all of world history, two representative human beings, Adam and Jesus Christ. And the Adam life gets turned away, together with everybody who is still hooked onto his belt. But the Jesus life cannot be turned away. And everyone is hooked onto him. Everyone who believes in him is now included in him. Is Jesus going to get in? Of course he is. So I said there would be an obvious question. If there are two certain futures, which one will you have? That's our second point. And um, I was actually going to write, which one would you like? That's what I was going to write. But actually, I then thought about it, and I think that is a much more troubling question because the truth is, if you ask me what I would like, I would like to pay my own debts and earn my own place. I would like to get to the door and have the bouncer look at me and my life and declare that I am worthy on my own merits without the help of Jesus. That's what I'd like, but it isn't going to happen. There's no way that's going to happen. He couldn't... Yeah, God could um, say, all right, Charlie, we're going to offer you the chance to bring your very best five minutes of your life only. And maybe you know, we'll let you live to 100 so you can keep polishing the best five minutes. And even then, I would not be able to show up at the door as me and deserve to have it open. So whether or not I like the way this is, whether or not you do, you are being asked which of two certain futures you will have. Um, And again, we can think carefully. I don't know if we need to. Death, judgment, condemnation, punishment on one side, and life, justification, grace. And the end of verse 17, How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man Jesus Christ? Reign in life. Welcome home, your majesty. Which one of those two futures will you have? Um, It's not supposed to be difficult to work out which one would be better. And you see, what you're really being asked is to choose your representative. Um, this is the opposite. Um, this is the opposite of that horrible um, school sports thing that they did. Uh, you know, where you get the two very best players, and they have to pick everybody in turn on the basis of who would least ruin their chance of winning. And you work your way down the list until it was a choice in the end between me or the crash mat. Um, and normally, you know, the crash mat at least would occupy, you know, some of the pitch effectively. So normally you'd pick the crash mat. And, but this is the opposite, okay? This is like all of the people who are terrible at football are being asked to choose which one person they want to be them every time it is school football. Now, still a problem for me because I'll have to go and research Uh, So um, let's say I did go and research and ask my brother or something. Then I could say, um, Lionel Messi, please. Is that the right answer? You can argue later. I I don't care very much, as you can tell. Um, But but from that day on, every single time there was football, um, somehow I would be on the pitch, but someone who kind of is me and, and looks just like me would turn up and play like Lionel Messi every time. That's what this is like. Who will you choose as your representative? Who do you want to queue up for you at the gates of final salvation? And all of us, we start off having chosen Adam. And actually, we reinforce that choice every day that we reject God. But any one of us can switch to Jesus and then queue up as him on that final day. And if if you're here tonight, um however you've ended up here this evening, um you have now heard that invitation. And however you've lived your life up till now, or however you've failed as a Christian trying to follow him, um you know whether this is your your first week as a student and you're thinking, um I've only been away from home four days. And everything has gone wrong. That's what I was thinking on the first Sunday that I went to church, the first week I was a student. Um, It is no accident that you are here this evening. Um, If you've heard this invitation, then this is a moment when you can trust Jesus and turn back to him and choose him as your representative. And this is the moment, however bad you are at being a Christian, if you repent and you keep trying and you trust him, you can know you have this future, his future, for certain. Okay, well, I said there'd be some uh, things to do about this. I've got four very short ones for uh, us to talk about till the end of the evening. Um, the first one is about um, that the more you are aware of how like Adam you are, the more you're aware of your failure and that of others around you, the more you're just proving that this passage is right. Right? You're proving verse 12, verse 18, 19, 21 are right. And you're proving more clearly, you know, you're Adam, more clearly that if you would trust Jesus, uh, you could be someone else entirely. Most important application, second, um, you can be sure. Uh, God, are you sure? Well, he is. So why don't we allow ourselves to be sure? Um, It sounds humble, doesn't it, to be uncertain about this. But really, that's just the trap of thinking, I'm going to pay my own ticket. When Jesus walks up on that door, they are going to let him in. And if you are united to him by his spirit, they are going to let you in. No ifs, no buts. Because of him, not because of me. It's the same thing that Natasha was singing in the solo earlier. Um, Third is that you might want to start being worried about the issue in 6 verse 1. So if you close the Bible, you might want to find 6 verse 1 again. Because the, the moment I've been at least 20% clear about this, you should be asking the question in 6 verse 1. You should be asking, if that's true, shall I just keep sinning then as much as I can? And uh, I'm afraid all I'm going to say on that tonight is an advert. Isn't that annoying? Um, we're going to read through the whole book of Romans at Roots. Uh, If you're new, come and join us in Roots, and we will get to that verse at around the time of New Year's resolutions, which is well-timed. But if you're asking that question, you have understood what I'm saying this evening. You've understood what Paul is saying. You've understood what Jesus thinks he was doing. Okay, final application. Uh, Verse 2 says that this has all happened to us, so we should boast in the hope of the glory of God. And boasting here just means tell someone with a happy face. That's all it means. Tell someone this and tell them how glad you are. Maybe find someone here tonight. Find another Christian and tell them how good this is. Boast about Jesus. Or tell someone who isn't a Christian, maybe someone who thinks that being a Christian is all about being miserable and feeling bad and being guilty and feeling ashamed and wondering whether God would ever be happy with you and forgive you and just boast at them tell them about a God that lets you choose Jesus as your representative and then treats you forever as if you were just like him I'm going to pray and then we'll sing for our last time Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for what you've done in Jesus. Thank you that no matter how we feel, no matter what we've done, no matter how we fail, as we turn back to you again and again and again, as we trust you and trust Jesus, so you see us as him. And we boast in that hope and we want to say how good it is. And we cannot wait till the day when we see Jesus And we walk into your presence as him, uh, to be welcomed by you as your child. So we thank you, we, we praise you, we boast in your name. Amen.